0: What's that? When I was 10 years old, I knew I wanted to make movies, but I knew no one was going to give me that. So I started putting away one dollar every week of my life. If I missed a week, I made it up later from age 10 on. And now, you're looking at enough to get us started. Two thousand one hundred eighty four dollars. But movies cost millions of dollars to make. That's after gross net deduction, profit percentage, deferment, 10% of the nut. Cash, every movie costs
1: $2,184. Hello, and welcome to Projecting Film, the podcast where movies meet. On this episode, we take a look at future holiday classic, maybe, Pottersville, which has not been getting great reviews, but uh, hey, you haven't heard us talk about it yet, so maybe we'll surprise you. We're also, of course, going to select which themes from this film spoke to us the most, and since we don't know how to relate to our fellow man, to do that we picked two older films to explain ourselves. So stick around to see uh, which of us picked which film, which is clearly in the title, and here's the trailer for Pottersville. After that, I'm your host, Michael Denniston, and I'll be talking with my co-host, Chris Maynard. This is Projecting Film. Hey, Park, you mind doing me a favor?
0: Would you mind closing up tonight and running to the bank? I just want to surprise Connie, you know? (gasps) (gasps)
1: Leonard!
0: Connie, what's going on?
1: I think we need to take some time apart and think about what we really want.
0: I'm here with the local townsfolk who claim to have witnessed what they're calling, well, a Bigfoot sighting.
1: And then we realized that we all saw it. And we were like, huh, cool. Get your brand new Bigfoot merchandise. Get it while we still have a Bigfoot. What
0: do you mean, while we still have a Bigfoot? Because of Bart. What about him? You didn't hear? Hmm. They're putting him on Monster Finder. What? Then if you'd like to join us, despite the peril, we could use
1: your help. All right. Um, yeah. Pottersville. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, this is the first time uh, since we don't have many fans of projecting film. But, well, I don't know why I'm stipulating like I'm thinking yet. I don't know if we ever will, so (laughs) (laughs) I won't say the word yet, Um, just generally speaking. But Andrew from AB Film Review um, tagged me on Twitter with this one. I was not aware of Pottersville before that tweet saying uh, this has to be on projecting film. And uh, not quite the material I thought we had been... (laughs) <laughs> sort of branding herself with <laughs> like this feels more War Machine versus War Horse, but I, I'm I'm just assuming he knows my love for for Michael Shannon. But this one's getting uh, horrific reviews. Um, that sort of um, like so bad it's good. Possibly reviews from people who are getting some measure of enjoyment. But I saw like Indie Wires, I think is like a D minus, and uh, not a lot of love out there for for this film. So of course we're going to talk about it for. A half hour <laughs> right maynard star of uh, pottersville well it it's
0: it's an unusual movie, so I'm not surprised that people can't quite you know wrap their head around it because it's sweet and sincere, but also um it's odd. So it's not a takedown of Hallmark movies or something like that, that you might expect from a movie like this. It's actually, it it's closer to something like groundhog's day. Honestly, it's a very sweet movie in its heart. Um, but it has some pretty interesting sensibility to it. Some surrealism that I think, I, I, for me, I, there's enough in here. I, not every one of the jokes land. And I guess it, the two things that will sort of decide if you enjoy this film are three things. Um, one if you like watching Michael Shannon reaction shots, which if you don't, I just turn off the podcast right now because I don't even want you as a listener.
1: A lot of um, gifs this man has provided the universe. So <laughs> if nothing else, this 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 will be a whole library on my <laughs> iPhone app of gifs just from Pottersville.
0: Um, the the other thing would be how much you enjoy Tom Lennon. Um, if that if the, he does a character that I could see getting on people's nerves, I actually see enjoy the, Tom Lennon,
1: the the uh, reality show host, the Australian.
0: Yeah, the Reno nine one one
1: guy. Yeah, hate him, can't stand him. That
0: uh, <laughs> so it's a strike against it.
1: <laughs> Love the first one. I, he is the uh, and I don't you know use the super uh, sports fan. We'll get this reference, of course. Um, He's the Carmelo Anthony of this particular film. He is a total ball stopper yeah. for me.
0: See, I I always thought it was Carmelo Anthony. Is it Carmel?
1: It's Carmelo. Did I misspeak? It is not Carmel. Uh, previously, uh, Clint Eastwood, mayor of that that great city. <laughs> no, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I I I feel like the film kind of gets absolutely stuck in its tracks with him. But I'm glad you you enjoyed it. I I'm not uh, a Reno 911 guy. I don't think I've ever seen a single episode, so I have n- I have no particular uh, fandom here for this guy.
0: And the third thing that I would say kind of hinges on. If you like watching Ian McShane kind of put on his best Quentin impersonation, kind of doing the Jaws thing, and all three of those elements really work for me.
1: I do wish, you know, I I think I'm just becoming, a, I don't know, more of a pussy or something in my uh, older <laughs> years because what you said about this being an earnest non-takedown of like the uh, the Hallmark Christmas movies. I actually wish it went a little bit further i I really like the 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 opening bit of this just good guy who's running up a tab at his i mean damn it he runs a general store in a small town like so <laughs> this is yeah this is uh an attempt at a uh, Jimmy Stewart character here although it's it's michael shannon so you you kind of expect it to be a little bit more uh left of the dial and uh I was fine i was fine with that there's some furries that are introduced as a central plot point. <laughs> And I've accepted that. I, I'm rolling with it. I uh, I didn't actually like the um, the filmmaking crew coming town. I didn't like the outsiders coming town. I I wanted to deal with just the kooky insiders. So you so you mentioned Groundhog Day, and I think that's what I want more of. And I realize the outsider there is our main character, Bill Murray and Andy mm-hmm. McDowell. But I just want to be stuck with. These people in this this small town that are convinced that uh, Bigfoot is now haunting their streets during this holiday season. That being said, I sort of went against myself with my with my particular film pick to uh, sell this movie on people. I went the total opposite way i i went total film crew so my my pick is bowfinger for this one to, to get people <laughs> to watch this damn thing the, the element of the movie that you hated the most <laughs> is the thing that you chose to draw people in with i would maybe uh maybe that's it maybe it's what i was i had such a distaste for as i was watching this i was thinking i was like has this ever worked for me and bowfinger totally does now to be fair i guess those are all like outsiders desperate to be in the game like they're they right. live and they're surrounded by the entertainment industry and since they are not rich or <laughs> famous or successful they're the scum of the earth and you get you get to see the the you know the the av club dorks uh take over and terrorize uh, their version of i guess tom cruise played by eddie murphy um should have been an oscar nominated performance i think from eddie murphy if they acknowledged comedy i i love that that role that he plays that dual role <laughs> <laughs> um, as as both the movie star and the and the uh the look alike the the dork but yeah i I think that's what it was I was like okay what what film has done this this better because uh, otherwise i didn't have too many issues with this i I love any excuse to have Michael Shannon get drunk and Oh, Being these a little monkey dance suit. that he does on the floor? Sure. I mean, drinking out of the, the fountain, and it's apparently <laughs> – I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's a hell-worthy sin to do so, uh, not to trespass on these people's property in a gorilla costume, but the fact that he's drinking out of a water fountain where the water is coming out of uh, an angel's – a tiny little angel's dick. <laughs> that, I love that the, the emphasis <laughs> on that. That goes back to your point, though, that the jokes that they throw out here – uh, they don't really seem to care if this is like with any degree of nuance to them. They're they're throwing everything out there, and to a certain degree, I respect that. And I did see some similarities to Bo- Bowfinger in that regard.
0: Well, I- I'm glad you went with something like Bowfinger because this actually might work then. <laughs> because I,
1: I this is the first went- time our pairing is actually going to work.
0: It-, it might because it it does line up between the two of these. Because I went with 1975, and I went with Jaws. Um, Not just because of the Ian McShane character doing the um, Quint impersonation or homage, I guess. It's the idea that you have this small town that, you know, life seems pretty good there. And then this outside force comes in um, that sort of disrupts everything. Now, in our film in Pottersville, this is actually an illusion. There never was this outside force, but it's this disruption that um, that it causes the town. There's a little bit of a media sensation to it also. Um, the way the mayor's trying to play up that aspect of it and to just, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Let's just move on with this. So I kind of saw that element in here that it is the sort of heart of the story is that everything was good in this town until this outside force came in. That was really just an accident. But it's this thing that causes them to sort of examine themselves. So in a way, there's more depth in Pottersville than Jaws. So
1: I was about to ask: Is was, was everything good in the 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 Jaws town, <laughs> like with, well, with that, the that, shark that, killing uh, young girls? Or
0: no, no, it's I think in Pottersville, it's a similar thing because it's has the appearance of everything being good, but there's a an element in the town um, in Pottersville and in Jaws where it looks pretty on the outside, but there's something underneath the surface that's just not quite right. And we have Michael Shannon at the center of this film who. You know is really just the emotional anchor of it, and he's the one that kind of sees the beauty of this town and he's completely invested in it and all these other people the moment they have a chance to be something better or different, they'll just dive on it and Michael Shannon tries to he loves this town so much and just he puts himself out there in a way to try to support them, try to help save the town in a way um I mean just the opening scene where he shovels the neighbors you know the little stoop in front of the stores, even though they've been closed for probably years, he still goes down that extra distance. It's a, uh, yeah.
1: No, the only guy. thought that's, that's given there is if he, if he has some extra time, which he's clearly, he's clearly coming in early, you know, I mean, <laughs> in the middle of this, this podunk town. And uh, of course he's going to shovel the walk. I, I wondered how they were going to balance that as far as uh, the, the punishment. Cause clearly in your pick, uh, there's some punishment <laughs> meted out by the film, by death, by, you know, children, uh, being killed sure. by inaction. And, and here, I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily takes Michael Shan's character to task. I don't think it should, but I mean, it's all predicated on him taking action, like taking that goof that his drunken escapade. Won- I mean, he's doing something totally out of character and he thinks maybe he should. I mean, there's a scene early on with Ian McShane where he tells him to grab life by the balls or something to that effect. Something it's it's actually probably a little bit more PG than that. But since it's Ian McShane, no,
0: this is this is practically G. This movie there's for you know having furries in it and Michael Shannon as you're saying before drinking from a statue penis. Um, it's really tame.
1: Do you think that's off putting to some of the the early reviews that because it, it has a a purposeful sheen to it, that uh, sort of Pleasantville that, vibe.
0: That's what I love about it because comedies now are so cynical. I mean, I enjoy those films, but there's a detachment from them and that sort of ironic sensibility that a lot of films have now. Like, oh, look, isn't this stupid? We're making a movie. That kind of attitude towards it is where comedy is now. And that isn't the heart of this film. And that's something I really appreciate about it. And yeah, that's going to turn certain audiences off because it's not what they're conditioned to see right now. But yeah, I kind of like it because it is a throwback in some ways. And oddly enough, I think it's turning people off just because of how bizarre and yet traditional it is at the same time.
1: I just want to point people to my chosen comedy, which I think has grown in estimation (laughs) since its release. (laughs) But I also feel like – similar thing. What works for me there is the earnestness of the characters, like Steve Martin's belief that he deserves his shot. And, you know, I mean based on what we see, I don't know if that's the case, but I think you're meant to admire his hustle at the very least or his effort. You know, what what he – the the actual process of what he puts together is hilarious. It's a little bit missing in Pottersville that element. I'm I'm going to keep, even though I enjoyed this movie, <laughs> I'm going to keep harping on how Bowfinger was so much better. Um, <laughs> just in the sense that you you open with Michael Shannon getting drunk and you know as you said, PG rated version of terrorizing the town in the sense that he just goes around and yells and people are entertained by looking out their window and pointing at this damn thing. I wanted a little bit more of that. I wanted a little bit more of just this man and his affinity for the town before the outsiders come in because that stuff for whatever reason and maybe it's just my love of Michael Shannon, I just was I was just enthralled with it. I would just <laughs> I this could have been uh to throw out another movie which is not my selection, this could have been after hours for me with <laughs> the Bigfoot version of After Hours and yeah, Michael Shannon. Yeah. I would have loved just a one night sort of escapade type thing here, but uh Not to be – that's one thing that I agree with with some of the earlier reviews. And, I mean, we're recording this just, I don't know, a few days after it's been released on VOD limited. But uh, one consistent thread that I'm seeing is the the accusation that the director here didn't know exactly what he had. And I I do see that a little bit because I I feel like there's far too much time where we're not seeing Michael Shannon – or Judy Greer. <laughs> those two people. Like, you, you put those two people on screen. For me, you, you turn it into two-hander with those two. You know, they, they go on the road or just like a stage play version. You strip it down. And did you have any issues there with uh, whenever those two are not on screen? And once again, that may just be my particular affinity for those actors.
0: I, I think it's a mix of both. Um, where there is a – I can't fault you for having an affinity for Michael Shannon and Judy Greer because, dear God, they're great. I mean, you could literally have that just the two of them in that shop and have it take place over the day of that. Mm -hmm. And I would have been fine watching them do just the whatever they go through in their day. And I would have been entertained by it. So when you go to this more broad comedy outside of them, because they're the more grounded characters, I guess. Sure. Um, When you go outside of that world for prolonged periods of time without cutting back to them it feels kind of jarring. And I I can see that being more of an editorial thing possibly, but I'm actually okay with it because the, when it gets to where it's Tom Lennon, Ron Perlman and uh, Ian McShane out in the woods by themselves, there's, that's another movie I could have just really spent the entire time with as well, a totally different movie. And when you put them side by side, maybe they don't line up perfectly, Mm -hmm. but I'm okay jumping back and forth between it and, it kind of becomes that Godfather Two thing where you had when you tried to cut it up a little bit too much, maybe because they're so jarringly different, it becomes more difficult to jump back and forth.
1: This is the podcast where uh, we're going to go to Coppola and Scorsese when we're talking about <laughs> Potterville. You're welcome. <laughs> and going to your actual pick, going back to Spielberg, uh, that is something. And you know, this isn't uh, a hot take here that is handled uh, a little bit better. When you have the the actual sequence of going after the shark in the ocean, that also <laughs> is its own movie. I mean, there's there are yeah. probably people, you know, sick deviant folks uh, who, who don't have a heart, who would just watch that, that section of it. Just that, yeah. that, you know, and there's a lot of, quote, you know, worthy dialogue there. But, you know, for me, the stuff that I really liked about the film, my favorite scene is when you, you have the father who's basically sort of, at a loss of what to do, that just ask his son just for a kiss. Just yeah. like, I love that moment. That's one of my favorite, maybe my favorite scene in a Spielberg movie.
0: Give me. Give us a kiss. Why? Because I need it. Is is that an improv? Because it always has felt so weirdly natural. That it, it felt like something that happened in the moment to me.
1: Are you trying to strip this from Spielberg? Are you trying to... <laughs> I'm saying yeah. it's, it's, it's his greatest achievement, Spielberg and you're like... this is really, really staged. Yeah, like, I don't know. This feels It doesn't, feel, doesn't feel like little Stevie Spielberg can pull this off. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Take a wait-and-see approach to see if he's got the goods when it comes to this movie business.
0: Well, uh, Ready Player One tells that story. <sighs>
1: uh, that will not be featured in a projecting film. <laughs> We're going to be looking (laughs) for the little indie darling. (laughs) We're going to be looking for more Pottersvilles (laughs) out there in the world. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, I think we're we're given a bit of a hard sell by including. Well, you are with Jaws. You're you're certainly uh, throwing out a classic here to to get eyeballs. But uh, this is one of those things that probably is built for a streaming service. Like you know, it's going to be recommended, suggested if you like or have clicked on Michael Shannon movies before. Do you think the presence of Michael Shannon gives this film more rope to hang itself or more leeway where people like, you know, his stature is as a weird actor, a guy who, you know, I guess a modern Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage, who has not, you know, gone quite (laughs) off the rails
0: without all the caginess. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'm trying Um, to think
1: back to like, you know, Vampire's Kiss or, uh, uh, what is the uh, what is the Lynch that, movie? That's the he one did? where
0: he does the alphabet. That that's just mm-hmm. the that movie's insane.
1: But you know, it's that didn't stop him from winning an Oscar. He was still <laughs> yeah. years later. He's still a serious actor. It's just like, oh, this guy will just go for it. No matter, he'll throw himself into the role. And then, you know, the man's got to eat and buy castles and uh, T Rex <laughs> heads. So he just <laughs> kind of did it a little bit too much. <laughs> So, getting back to Pottersville, do you think that the casting choice here of Michael Shannon is that really the only way to go with this this type of comedic sensibility, and that he will he will bring people in, and that they will take this up to a point? Clearly, a lot of the reviews have been bad.
0: Um, n- no, uh, honestly, giving um, this one no shot. N- no, no, no. I I just think that Michael Shannon's draw is for. The film Twitter folk, Mm. it's not it's, you know, the people that really spend a lot of time thinking about movies and going to more off the wall stuff. Yeah, Michael Shannon is one of those guys that a certain percentage of the film going population really enjoys his work. So there will be people that click on this on the Netflix algorithm when it pulls it up. But those people have already heard of this and read reviews of it probably by now.
1: Um, I'm actually as, strangely being a little more optimistic than you. I, but, now, well, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I, I, but I, this is my optimism on this: is that there's going to be people like my mother-in-law that watch all the Hallmark movies that God will click him. on that, that will click on this.
1: <laughs> this poor and, woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the thing that's so great about this because it never goes that far that it would be offensive. There's no foul language. There's okay. no nudity in it. There's no violence. So I could, I could absolutely sit down and watch this with my kids in the room. I don't know that they would necessarily engage with it, but there's nothing that I would need to turn their heads away from in the movie. Um, cause it's all suggestive and it's never even really bluntly discussed. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very sweet movie. So I think that that would be something that someone like her could come across and, if she gets past that you know, little bit in it, she would actually probably get a real kick out of it and feel like she discovered this really dangerous movie she had no idea existed. Mm. So I, I think it'll have a really kind of cool following, an interesting following that could be passed mm. around a very bizarre, small segment of people. But I think people are going to really love this movie. So, But the Michael Shannon fans, I don't know that that'll be the entryway into this because they're going to want –
1: They're going to they go want to go further.
0: Yeah, are they going to want Take Shelter or are they going to want Batman versus Superman? I don't know. They're going to whatever it is that they, you know, gets them to buy a Michael Shannon ticket. I don't know that this is it. This is actually the exact reason that I enjoy Michael Shannon's work because he can do so much with so little, probably better than any actor working today. Like he can do so much in these minimalist performances and it's a perfect example of it with this.
1: Have you ever seen interviews with him? Cause he can go even yeah he he can be even more <laughs> minimal <laughs> like his actual like you know and maybe this is just on the uh the publicity tour or of circuit, but <laughs> even when he's playing a quiet character, he goes further when he's he's doing a talk show he just he's just a <laughs> real guy, yeah um I think that's a that's an interesting point i I could definitely uh i sort of like that you know mainly because it makes me feel better about liking this movie, i guess that um the, the film Twitter folks, one that would be you know watching this first day or renting it, buying it on VOD, uh, are going to tear it apart because it's not necessarily playing art house. And yeah, yeah, I, I like you know it's it's a little bit sick and a bit twisted, but I like your version where these uh, Hallmark uh, enthusiast moms are going to discover Maynard and <laughs> drunken Bigfoot and his furry wife. <laughs>
0: But that was kind of that's the, the, my autobiography. That'll be you know from ages fifteen to twenty five, drunken Maynard and his Bigfoot.
1: I, you know, I I would be very proud if I were you that uh, I had this character with my moniker <laughs> on screen. <laughs> I'm not gonna get that myself. My name is uh, far too common. Unless we get a uh, a Deniston somewhere on screen, uh, I can't really uh, claim any sort of uh, Mike or or Michael, but. Yeah, this is pretty good. Pretty good Maynard, even with Ian McShane's uh, butchering of the name purposely, I think, in Pottersville.
0: <laughs> it's all right; I can live with that.
1: Okay, so the one thing, uh, just to sort of uh, wrap us up here, because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to sell people on watching any of this nonsense, and this one. I really don't think we're going to, and that's you know I think that people are going to look at this and they're going to decide from the little blip you get on IMDb if they want to watch Michael Shannon get drunk and impersonate <laughs> Bigfoot. I think that's it. I mean, you don't need to listen to us talk about it. You're either in or you're out. So, what I want to do to sort of wrap up this podcast is, you know, what is it about our our selections that we're going to attempt to graph this onto? Uh, this particular film because i think a lot has been said about jaws but one question in my mind is is it that much of a classic for you i mean it's, it's sort of just already like if anyone mentions it, it's like oh yeah classic all-time movie or is it a little bit more of a curiosity like this film like i'm I'm wondering if you don't hold it in as high regard as i do
0: uh jaws I, I love jaws i really do um it's that's one of the first movies I fell in love with. I mean, it's not that unusual, but it's one of the first movies that just scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. So yeah, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a long history with jaws, but you're right. It's who doesn't love the movie. I'm sure there's some people like the same people that hate Raiders of the lost Ark. Now, mm-hmm.
1: um, that would be me. <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> I just like the other two Indiana Jones. Well, notice I said the other two Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, I don't don't, One we do not speak of. Well, I I wasn't doing that on purpose. I caught myself mid sentence. I was like, oh, yeah, there was another one. Yeah, never mind. Uh, Yeah, I just (laughs) like Temple of Doom and Last Crusade better. That's all. Raiders is fine. I enjoy it. I celebrate the whole trilogy, sir. The trilogy.
0: (laughs) It's fine. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. It's no big deal.
1: <laughs> I just, I just wondered if by including it, you're not holding jaws up as this all-time monster movie because what you spoke to was the small-town aspect, and I don't know if many people would say if they're making a list of like films about small communities, if jaws would make that list. I think it's a good pick in that regard.
0: Well, that's kind of what draws me into that movie. Um, you were talking about the, you know, sort of that movie's almost three films in a way the three mm-hmm. acts of it that first act of the film is the thing that really has always drawn me in to that you know being a, I was raised in a small rural town in georgia and then we moved uh, to northeast new jersey so not not exactly you know nantucket or wherever that's supposed to be i can't remember offhand um but you know kind of a coastal town like that and i i just went to places like that. And so it's something that always attracted me into that movie. And that's what made it relatable. That sort of that small town feeling for it is something that really is what pulls people in. It makes it relatable, I think. And if you divorce that element from that film, I don't think it really works. So, I mean, for those people that you were talking about, the monsters that just want to watch the last 35 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, yeah. But when I think about jaws, when I go through it in my mind, I, yeah, I think about the dinner, uh, table scene the the sort of gross out scene that I think of is the license plate coming out of the shark's belly that kind of thing those were the ones that stuck for me when I was a kid it's not the you know shooting the propane tank at the end or and that explosion that's not the things that I gravitated to in that film Um, the only sort of scene from the boat and I'm not sure how much that is influenced by just my love of chasing Amy as well as the scar scene you know that that kind of thing where they're going back and forth on that you know that, that I think Seeing that paid uh, homage to in that way sort of solidified that, made it like, oh, it's okay to love this sort of popcorn movie that I've always loved because here was an indie guy at the time kind of you know throwing himself out there with it. And, yeah, it's kind of weird to think of Kevin Smith was considered sort of an artist at that point in time.
1: If you listen to me, any of our podcasts, I, th- I believe he's the only filmmaker where we've covered like his entire filmography. we made sure <laughs> to cover all of his films, so – uh, yeah, don't, don't ask us, but, um, you know,
0: sorry, I went off on a tangent.
1: No, it it actually made, it made me really depressed. Cause I was trying to think of like, what, you know, what, what am I bringing to Bowfinger as far as what really spoke to me? And I remember thinking, and this is, you know, obviously not H. Will that one of the charms of Bowfinger, uh, is being someone who's interested in film and, uh, clearly being an outsider in Kentucky was like, oh, that's, that's something that's done out there. And I guess what's horrifying about that film is it's someone who lives in, in LA and is so close, but is you know, <laughs> so far away, uh, there's that but sequence. Michael
0: where... Shannon's from your neighborhood though.
1: Yes. Yes, he is. Um, I, I do believe, uh, cause I got into an argument with the uh, Hyro. He, he suddenly started blowing up my phone one night, uh, accusing me of lying about this saying Michael Shannon was not from Lexington. And it's so strange. It's like, I'm going to have to go to his fucking get his high school yearbook or something for you. But <laughs> Uh anyway, yeah, his, his I believe sorry. his his father moved to Chicago or something, so that's Hiro was was speaking up for, for Chi Town there. Um but you know, having no no particular ties to a, a major city, there's there's a sequence in Bowfinger where Steve Martin says, like, he basically knew, he knew at a young age no one would ever give him money to like mm-hmm. fulfill his dreams. So he starts, what is it, $5 a week that he starts saving? And of course, yeah, something like that. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, uh, well, I was about to say he's an older man. He's got white hair, but I think Steve Martin had white hair in his 20s. I, I don't know.
0: He, yeah, if you look at that SNL appearance uh, when he hosted on, like, the, first season he was episode three or two or something like that and he was gray as shit then and that was like 1974
1: so i'm not knocking him it suits him you know i i couldn't imagine seeing him (laughs) try to turn back the clock to his i don't know teenage years when he had that color.
0: Looks so bizarre on him (laughs) i'm glad he never did it yeah
1: he's he's iconic in that way but uh, you know in the film he's he's someone that is not an up and comer you know he is, <laughs> he's he's not robert rodriguez doing el mariachi like this is someone who should have given up on stream but he makes a point saying i saved this much money and here's what i have and i can make something and it's played as a joke in bowfinger but that was right on the cusp of like cheap digital cameras and hell now like uh like one of the oscar front runners is the guy yep. made his first movie on an iPhone with, uh, was it the Florida project? Same filmmaker, yeah. but Tangerine, I believe it was. Tangerine, the, yeah. Made yeah. on iPhone. I mean, with some extra tech on there on top of it, but, uh, I remember laughing at that. Like, oh, that's a ridiculous notion. <laughs> now I find it incredibly depressing. In my thirties, I'm like, whoa, uh, it wouldn't have taken me that long to get, <laughs> get it. I can do it now with my, you know, Verizon <laughs> bill. I have the power. <laughs> I just don't have the talent. So here I am podcasting. Uh, go watch Pottersville where dreams die.
0: Oh. Wow. You're right. That did take a depressing turn. <laughs> Jesus.
1: I'm sorry. I had nothing to come back at you with Jaws. I was just agreeing with you. So it gave me time to really think about my life and, and uh, where I am. And
0: So it's, it's where you go through that point when I'm just talking for too long. So you just start kind of going through your inner monologue and thinking about yourself a little bit and then self-hatred eventually is going to come out.
1: Normally it's a little bit more, uh, short term. Like, oh shit, what, what do I need? To, I need to edit this or God, I got to edit out Maynard's <laughs> nonsense or do I have time tomorrow to do it? And this was one of the rare times I was like reflecting on everything. Uh, and it was because of Bowfinger and I guess going back a step because of Pottersville. So thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good movie though. Check
1: it out. I enjoyed it. <laughs> not enjoying it right now (laughs) alright that was uh, right at the 31 minute mark cut out throwing some clips good episode thank you for listening to another episode of projecting film hopefully you are subscribed on iTunes if not we would really appreciate that or you're a pod player of choice we should be almost everywhere not that anyone asked for that. You can also go to followingfilms.com where you can listen to some other great movie podcasts such as The Grand Gesture, another show that I host on romantic tropes in film, or the official Following Films podcast where my co-host Chris Maynard that you heard uh, interviews up-and-coming filmmakers. And uh, if you like this show, you probably would like that one. It's about the independent cinema. As for our next episode, it will be on Sweet Virginia. And I promise it won't be as depressing as this episode, although it is a darker crime film. So I guess we're just going to try to lighten things up. That's how we roll. If you would like to uh, suggest some movies for us or tell us how we got things wrong, you can interact with us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Projecting Film. Thanks again for listening.